Hello, everybody. We're back for the first full episode of season three. First of all, I'm sorry about the audio. I don't have access to my mic right now, but I really wanted to leave you a note at the top of the podcast. I'm really excited for y'all to dig into this episode about the climate crisis. There's such a lack of knowledge around this topic, and it just can't stay that way. It feels sometimes like it's almost too serious to talk about, which is really backwards. But we have to start talking about it. We have to start asking questions, even if we think the questions are dumb. Because honestly, quote unquote, dumb questions aren't a bad thing. If you don't know something, you got to ask about it. So get ready to listen to me asking all the dumb questions coming up. Enjoy the episode and get excited for the rest of the season. Let's get socially deconstructed. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Trina Dong, and today we are going to be talking about climate change, misconceptions, getting to the bottom of things, breaking it down, and educating you, educating me. And I have the perfect people here with me to do that. I have actual experts here, guys. You don't have to listen to my BS, actual people that know things. So I'm so excited to have them. We have Emily O'Brien, CEO of Earth Angel, and Allison Beagleman, the CEO of Yeah Impact and co-founder of Young Entertainment Activists. Hello. Thank you for having us. I just want you guys to briefly, you know, tell the people about what your companies and your organizations do, starting with you, Emily. For sure. Yeah. So I'm the founder and CEO of Earth Angel. Earth Angel is a sustainability agency that services the film and television industry primarily. So we work with feature films, television series, commercial productions, live events. We help them track their carbon footprint and reduce their environmental impact. Um, so spoiler alert, uh, the physical production of content um, has a substantial environmental impact. So basically my team works with um, these productions to help them reduce that, zero waste efforts, energy efficiency efforts, carbon tracking, all that fun stuff. Love. Allison, what about you? Yay. Um, well, uh, my company, yeah, Impact, is a social impact agency, and we sort of are at the center of like grassroots organizing and storytelling. Um, and we do large scale events. We do content. Um, we do impact campaigns for television and film, whether it's like documentaries or narrative. Um, and everything we do is really under the umbrella of uh, bringing people together and mission aligned organizations. Um, and we also, and I also run entertainment activists, um, which is just a grassroots coalition. It helps young people in Hollywood get involved um, and use their positions of power for social impact. And yeah, that's what I do. How did you guys meet? I think we met through Allie because Allie went to, so I'm an NYU alum and I was giving a presentation at NYU about sustainable production and Allie happened to be there. Um, and then when I found out about young entertainment activists and she was connected and then, yeah, it just, uh, you know, happy, happy love fest from there, basically. Yeah. And it was for the climate summit, which is something my company created and now y'all are big, big part of. So that's how we met. And then now Emily is on our junior executive board, which is actually now called the founding board. So that's the Hollywood climate summit. And that's happening in June. In June. Mm -hmm. So LA folks or non-LA folks, you have virtual stuff too. Yes. Yes. And then we got we a do. party. We got a party and that's where Earth Angel comes in. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is obviously a really important conversation, which I rarely have here, but I watch the news pretty almost never, but when I do catch it and it's talking about things like climate change, global warming, environmental, anything, it's always this like big headline of it's going, well, depending on what channel you happen to catch, but something really bad is going to happen if we don't stop climate change. So it's going to be really bad. You guys get it. It'll be really bad. Good to know. And they don't really say what these really awful bad things are. So I'm envisioning like things blowing up, right? Like I, this, my home is going to explode if I don't stop using plastic bottles. What's going to happen? guys, if we don't fight the climate crisis? Yeah, great question. Well, 
first and foremost, like the climate crisis is already impacting people. It's here, it's happening, right? We're already seeing extreme weather events, whether it's, you know, stronger and um, more frequent hurricanes, um, the wildfires, like we just had a wildfire in the winter. Like it's literally, there, there are no, there's nothing off limits anymore because of you know, how disrupted climate patterns have become. Um, so first and foremost, like natural disasters are gonna keep happening um, and they're gonna happen more severely and more frequently. Um, and we know that this also impacts the like most vulnerable populations the most, right? So um, people who are not housed, right? Are going to feel the impacts of natural disasters and who can't evacuate like other people can. Um, so it's also making inequities, it's like furthering inequities even, even more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big thing, but also it's, it's but more subtle things too, that people aren't necessarily noticing. Like there's the extreme natural disasters, but it's also causing water shortages that are leading to droughts. And like, there's no, you know, future for certain agriculture in certain areas, which is like leading to climate refugees um, more and more so. So there's a lot of ways that it's happening right now. And, you know, there's billions upon billions of dollars that are having to be poured into fixing the aftermath of natural disaster rather than using those resources to mitigate the, you know, greenhouse gas emissions that are causing this problem in the first place so that we don't have to have as many vulnerable populations exposed to, you know, extreme weather and, and so on. So, um, yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying like it's here and it's happening and it's going to keep getting worse. No, it's great. Allison, anything to add? I would just say, I mean, everything Emily says is hundred percent correct. Um, so yes. And into that, um, the other pieces of it is like climate migration. I would say like Emily mentioned climate refugees, like we're going to see folks in the coastal cities, you know, not being able to live where they live. You know, I've lived in new Orleans before this huge problem for them problem in, in Miami, um, California, like we're all going to be seeing this. Um, and, and what, and then we're going to have to start moving inland, you know? And so thinking about that, it's, it's interesting. And, um, obviously emotionally too, like it, it affects literally like people's emotions. Like we're going to see huge, huge increase in, anxiety and other mental health issues. I mean, we already are all stressed about it a lot of the time. Um, And I think the other thing that's interesting about it is really zeroing in on like specifics. Like I remember when there was the huge heat wave in Portland and one of the stories that really, I mean, there are a lot of stories that really were just wild, but one of them was talking about um, how the tram, I think it was the tram was connected, like the wires that were connected, like overheated. So Mm -hmm. like the public transportation literally couldn't wasn't working so folks who were on the front lines which is mainly a lot of like brown and black folks um BIPOC indigenous people um living in areas where they are like crap we don't have any air conditioning we have to get on the tram to go to those big places you know they got when the local governments were like offering AC and all that stuff but if the tram's not working like how are they gonna get to that thing so it's like Thinking of it in even more smaller, tangible, everyday aspects is always helps me because I get overwhelmed too by like yeah. all the big things. For sure. For sure. I totally wouldn't know anything about this at all, except for Emily has been my friend for like 10 years at this point. And so she's the only reason why I kind of sort of understand things until the ocean started on fire last year. <laughs> that is something... I still can't calculate. So when you guys say it, like we're talking about climate change and there's an it and there are these, there are causes and you talked about greenhouse emissions. What, let's dumb down that when the ocean started on fire, how does that happen? What caused that? Well, mostly because there are oil refineries in the ocean, right? There's offshore drilling happening and we're extracting fossil fuels um, that, you know, we're, we're burning. And then the extractive process of that is also energy intensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a combination of, of those things really. Um, and, you know, again, instead of focusing on 
you know, how do we direct resources towards renewable sources of energy, we continue to fund, uh, you know, extractive fossil fuel, um, you know, uh, projects. So that's, that's the big reason why the ocean was on fire. <laughs> and so in nothing should technically be, even be alive in that ocean, right? If it's that bad for it to start on fire, like our, what are the animals up to down there? Well, I'm not a marine biologist. Uh, <laughs> however, um, you know, you look at something like the Gulf of Mexico that's had how many oil spills now, you know, like the, the fishing um, industry in so many places, like is, is completely depleted, you know, like it's going like entire livelihoods talking about the effects too, like think about the economic effects of, um, you know, indigenous communities that rely on this for their source of livelihood and, and so on. And that's not available anymore because yeah. we've literally overfished to a certain point, or there's been enough oil spills that have, you know, depleted certain marine populations, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hugely systemic. It, it literally affects everyone and in almost you know every capacity and they might not think of it as being directly correlated to climate change when in fact like most of these things there's a correlation yeah and allison when you were saying that people weren't going to be able to live on the coasts anymore does that mean yeah. is that because of continual natural disasters or is that because los angeles is going to sink because <laughs> that's I mean, the real fear Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, I guess you could say it's going to sink. Technically, yes, I guess that is, but it's just slowly there's going to be the water coming in and it's going to be, you know, this is a long-term thing. And that's sure. why this is so difficult because people are like, oh, long-term, long-term, I just have to get through my day. You know, I mean, especially folks who are not super privileged, like where I'm here sitting on a podcast talking about climate change. Some people are like dealing with it in the present, you know? Right. So I think, I think at the end of the day, like we need to stop seeing it as this long-term, like one day it will be underwater when I am dead. Like, no, like, you may be dead because of this disaster, right? Yeah. Um, this is today and it is present. So uh, I want to talk about climate change misconceptions and some FAQs. And, you know, hopefully you'll be able to at least half explain them to me. Carbon dioxide doesn't cause global warming. There is no proof. I need you to dumb, 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 dummy this down. Okay. Yeah. Carbon dioxide comes from where? Carbon dioxide comes from lots of natural and anthropogenic sources. So human-induced sources, right? right? So, you know, plants photosynthesize carbon dioxide and create oxygen. You know, humans exhale carbon dioxide, right? Like these are like natural things that happen, mm -hmm. but also like the combustion and burning of fossil fuels creates carbon dioxide. Um, and it's also important to understand that carbon dioxide is one of many greenhouse gases. Um, carbon dioxide is, takes up the largest percentage of them, but there are others that are more potent, like methane, for example. Um, methane comes from, you know, uh, organic materials rotting in landfills, for example, um, or uh, livestock, agriculture. Um, so there are lots of different sources of greenhouse gases and carbon isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Greenhouse gases are what create the greenhouse effect, which keeps the planet at a habitable temperature. It's why our species and so many species can survive on the planet, you know, but what happens is when you get a large concentration of it that's when things start to overheat, right? The greenhouse gas effect goes into like overdrive. Um, and we see these extreme temperatures that we have been seeing. Um, and if you look at, there's something called the Keeling curve, which basically shows like levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere trending over like the last millennia or whatever. And there's like natural ebbs and flows. Like we went through an ice age, right? Like things like fluctuate, et cetera. And then you look at like the po post-industrial revolution 
and it just skyrockets. It just like goes through the roof. It's just, you know, like the evidence of human induced, you know, activities causing the rise in temperatures and, and the extreme weather is like, you know, scientists have been banging their heads against the walls trying to communicate this yeah. for literally decades now, decades. Right. Can you clear up what fossil fuels are? Do they have anything to do with dinosaur bones? <laughs> do they? People really think that. Tell me, do they or do they not? And what makes them fossil fuels versus fuels fuels? I well, mean, <laughs> go ahead, Allison. no, no, no. Emily, go I ahead, feel like Emily's like the sustainability expert here. Go I ahead, just, like, Allison. <laughs> I'll dumb down whatever Emily says. I mean, you know, fossilized, like that. that's not, it's not inaccurate, you know? Um, but it's basically fossil fuels are finite resources that, you know, come from different fossilized or materials, et cetera, that we have to extract, right? It has to be, it's like, they're very finite. So whether we're drilling for that, uh, you know, we're creating pipelines for that. Like it's, it's, um, I'm not explaining this well because probably because there's a dinosaur and then everything went haywire. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like what the people think, you know, but it's like, it's crude oil basically, right. That we use to power so much of what we do, transportation, um, to and from places, et cetera. And then I'll say that, you know, in terms of greenhouse gas, it's like when you have all this CO2, moving around, going around, doing its little dance, you know, all over the world in the air, you have the greenhouse and you have, and you're and let's say it's like hot out. The greenhouse gases are like blocking the heat from like leaving. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're just like chilling up here. And that's why it's like, I'm pretty sure that's why it gets so hot. Right. Because we're having this like blockage up there. Um, I, I don't want to be, uh, incorrect on this podcast though, but I'm pretty sure that is why. So kind of like back boiling water when it's covered exactly correct gosh I love that you want to know why I know that because I bought this uh hard-boiled egg maker and today I I watched it steam up that's the only reason I thought of that but that (laughs) makes sense then covered boiled water you guys get it now okay cool we yeah now I get it I didn't understand what I was saying and now I do okay Allison I'm gonna let you take this next one climate change effects are good what's wrong with warm weather what's wrong with it um i mean it's not just about warm weather you know it's about the sea level rise and droughts and heat waves right like these are all things that affect um precipitation patterns like climate change is ultimately like that's the difference between like global warming and climate change right like climate change takes into account like the difference in the patterns and not just like the the warming of the earth because of the fossil fuels. Um, I don't know if there's like a more human way to say that. Oh, that makes Um, sense. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that made total sense. Anything to add, Em? Sorry, I'm still stuck on dinosaurs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, listen, when else do you talk about fossils? Yeah, no, I mean, it it is about decomposed plants, animals, you know, et cetera, in the earth's crust. So it's, it's not wrong when people are saying like, we're lighting the remains of the dinosaurs on fire to power the world. Like it's not completely wrong. So, you know, um, but, uh, no, in terms of the warm, in terms of the warm weather, um, so the extreme temperature rises are, there's a lot of like heat induced illness that's happening as a result of that. Right. Like I mentioned, there are certain crops that can't be grown in places like people are literally dying from heat stroke and, um, you know, other, uh, you know, yeah, heat related illness essentially. Um, but also it's important to understand that climate change isn't just about warming. Um, when, when the like global warming is one of the, um, elements of climate change, right? But it's changing in different ways. So you look at like the polar vortex situation. That happens because there are jet streams that go around the world, you know, and when we have 
increases in, in temperature and, and, you know, things are kind of going haywire. We'll have a weakened jet stream that like used to keep Canada at a certain temperature, but oh no, now it's keeping Texas at that temperature because that jet stream got weakened, right? So there are ways beyond just heat that, you know, this is manifesting and, you know, just because something uh, is warm doesn't necessarily mean like that it's good for everyone or every species or what's, what's, you know, in that particular ecosystem. Well, and what state was it like three-ish weeks ago where people were just so cold and were not prepared and was it Texas? I think it was Texas. Their, yeah. their whole grid went out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had all of that flooding last year. Right. And, and, and that's what I was saying earlier with Portland, where it was like, literally our systems that run our cities are not set up to, to meet either extreme heat or extreme cold. Like we built, we built them because of a knowledge that we've created. We, as in like, not me, the government, um, you know, local government, state government created with the knowledge that they had of the temperatures that were normal to that city state. Right. And with this, it's, it's just making everything change. And so then you have a whole, I just don't understand why we can't just attack this the problem like yeah. it's just like it's like a band-aid the bigger band-aid a bigger it's like the band-aid's taking up my whole body at this point i'm like okay. i mean that's a great way to express that yeah girl you don't need a band-aid you need a scalpel you know like yeah literally you know you lost take me, me into the or i want <laughs> meredith gray <laughs> anyway <laughs> let's talk about we kind of covered the difference between climate change and global warming so thank you for that but People pay attention to that because they're not the same thing. That's all I'll say about that. Um, how is eating meat related to climate change? Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah. So the production of livestock um, is, first of all, incredibly water intensive. I can't remember the exact statistic off the top of my head, but something like eating a hamburger is the equivalent to taking like 10 showers or something with the amount of water that you have to, you know, that the animal itself takes to consume, that it takes to like maintain livestock farms and, and et cetera. Um, so one of the quickest, easiest ways of, you know, limiting your personal carbon footprint is reducing red meat in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally like going entirely plant-based is like one of the most, uh, you know, changing that, that aspect of your diet is one of the best ways to have like a lighter personal carbon footprint. Um, but red meat in particular, uh, again, the livestock agriculture, you know, produces a lot of methane emissions, one of the more potent greenhouse gases. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not great because we have, you know, I think once upon a time we did have a more sustainable method of livestock agriculture but we don't anymore like um it's just the factory farming and you know all of that like the demand for it has just made it so that it's a very resource intensive unsustainable model and the other thing I want to say which is a myth to I guess dispel is that people are always saying like well it has to do with the cows and them fart and like cows farting because like cows farting reduces methane no seriously this is what and it's true like yeah they do but like you know factory farming them is what produces that times a bajillion like let the cows just exist you know like let them go and and do their thing I also will say I'm like I just love like fake burgers. Like they really do taste like meat to the point where sometimes I literally had fake chicken from KFC the other day. And I was, I felt weird because I haven't eaten chicken in years and I felt I couldn't finish. I mean, not to say I would say go everyone go eat it, but I was like, I couldn't finish it. Cause it was that similar to chicken. And I was like, Whoa. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, there's always that conversation, right? Like a burger shows up and you're like, uh, are you sure that's fake for her? Like, exactly it's sure it's not just like very not cooked at all yeah I mean the impossible burger is delicious too I'm yeah. all about yes. the impossible burger it's yeah. very good here's the question people most people are not going to go plant-based right 
mainly because it's freaking hard. And also like, it depends on where you live. Like we all live, or Emily are in New York, Alice and I are in LA. So everything's easy for us to find here. Uh, but I go home to the Midwest and there's like, not even like a salad spot. There's, you know, there's nothing. So what do we, what is recommended to people to just kind of try to pare down the meat situation? How much would actually be helpful or is it kind of like all or nothing is helpful? It's all helpful. I mean, even, even like having what we do, like on our productions, like we do like a meatless Monday very Mm -hmm. often where it's just like one day a week eliminating that. And the impact of that, if you like multiply that times, however many servings of red meat would have otherwise been consumed is like, you know, very impactful. You can see how it directly correlates to this is how much, you know, emissions we avoided and water we potentially saved, you know, just by having that one day reduction. So yeah, for people who are afraid of kind of like going all the way, um, you know, definitely there's baby steps, right? Like for someone who eats meat three times a day, maybe just like start with doing it two times a day or, or like, you know, having that one day that you don't have it, etc. Um, and I also think it's important to note, like, um, one of my favorite, uh, climate essayists, um, Mary Anais Hagler talks a lot about how, like, while personal, like, well, your the personal choices you make around reducing your footprint are really good starting points. They're also dangerous stopping points, right? So, um, you know, saying that if we all go to the grocery store and take our reusable bags and avoid single-use plastic is going to, like, somehow get us out of climate change, like, that's, that's not the case, right? Like, what we need is really large systemic change to move into a clean energy future um, if we're going to have a chance like to really you know maintain life as we know it on this planet and like that has to happen in a really short amount of time because we didn't listen to scientists for the past 50 years we had we had 50 years to do this transition you know more intermittently and now we don't have time like it has to happen really drastically so while yes reduce your red meat consumption you know avoid single-use plastics like all those things are great um i personally don't care if you're someone who eats meat if you're gonna help like get fossil fuels (laughs) uh, you know fossil fuels out and and clean energy and you're gonna advocate for that sure So it's like a top-down issue. Like we have to, like the big, the big guns are the problem because they're gigantic and we're, we all together are gigantic, but you kind of have to be doing it all. Okay. That makes sense. I also think it's the, it's like individual action definitely does do something. And I think, you know, if we can think of it more as like personal habit changes, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, how can those make your life better? You know, how can, um, doing some of the everyday tasks, like literally, like you might meet someone doing that. And then maybe you join this cool club and I don't know, I'm just being silly, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like it actually adds to your life. Um, but I will also say that we all feel this like guilt as if like we have this, this is our crisis, especially as young people. And it's like, we did not cause this at all. And so I think it's, I think that helps sort, at least me when I'm anxious being like, I did not cause this, but I feel like I want to support, like it's a moral boosting. I want to support fellow humanity, fellow folks, fellow peeps, you know? So that, that helps me, but some people may not like that. Some people may just want to be like, I did it. I'm awful. (laughs) I hate myself. So I have to fix it. And that's cool too. But it won't work. Probably not. Right. Okay. So I got myself on a downward spiral of climate change, Reddit, freaking Twitter, TikTok, the whole thing. And surprisingly, most people are out here asking real questions to really get informed and aren't arguing. And there are like 7 million things about how to like retort the argument of like a non-believer of climate change, whatever. And so I just want to talk about some funny ones because I think they're worth it. And then let's talk about like for real 
the reality of them. This one's my, no, this one's not my favorite one, but there's no world food problem. We just need more genetically modified crops and better distribution to get food where needed. Who wants to take it? Very, very complicated, flawed, complicated, all of the above. Um, so first of all, there's a food waste hierarchy, you know, and you know, it goes in a a particular order. And the fact is we are wasting a lot of food that otherwise could be eaten. Um, And that is very problematic. And that's where stuff like um, Misfit Produce as as an organization is a really cool organization. That's all about like giving people ugly, misshaped, whatever, like food that wouldn't otherwise make it into a grocery store, but that is like perfectly fine and edible. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot of ways that we can get creative around like the amount of food that's being produced currently and getting that to people who, who need it. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and trying to, um, you know, combat food deserts and, you know, certain urban areas. And, and again, it's a systemic thing. It's like, it's like with film sets, you know, we, in the catering, um, they produce like tons of food, catering and craft service for all these people, like way more than like anyone could eat over the course of the day. Part of our job is to collect that leftover food and redistribute it to soup kitchens, food banks, et cetera. We end up like over the course of a year, it'll be like tens of thousands of meals that end up getting recovered, you know, just because we're, we're simply overfeeding, we're over, you know, ordering for these particular scenarios. So, um, yeah, I think that that's kind of like thing number one. Allison, anything to add? Well, I, I, I kind of want to go back to the, the individual action items. Cause I didn't do a good job of being like, here's what you can do. So yeah. In my house, I'm going to tell you some of the things that we do. And I will say this is all thanks to my partner, um, who is very, taught me how to be as ego-friendly as I am now. So we compost. So we have like, a, uh, we have it dropped off. It's LA compostable. You drop it off every other week and it just like reduces garbage, honestly. And it's great. And then they pick it up and that's that. So we do that as a service. We use Imperfect Foods, who I love. Um, and they're, they're like misfits similarly, but they're doing a lot of also like local food justice action, which is great. Mm-hmm. And again, like these are like really easy, like these don't like take, they give me like things that are like, they make my life easier. Like, honestly, um, we use blue land products. Like we use like uh paperless, uh, dish, uh, dish soap. It's like a, you put it in a thing. It's like a little powder and it's compostable packaging. And then it creates soap, um, for laundry, for all those things. So it's like, these things are not difficult, but they definitely reduce the waste in my household. Also, almost everything we did to put together the house has been through like Facebook Marketplace or uh, Craigslist or Nextdoor. Like we don't really buy new things like at yeah. all. And honestly, it makes, I, I just like, I love getting a used thing. So there are things that you can do that really add to your life that are easy and are not creating waste. Yeah. I mean, if you're, it's pretty simple. If you're go well, I guess, of course, it goes back to the equality thing, right? And where you live, it depends on what you have access to to buy as far as things like the dish soap. However, there are millions of people that have access to that. (laughs) Me, for one. So instead of buying like the regular stuff, you can buy that. Can I say one more thing about the food? And so, yeah, so like the monoculture issue is like, very problematic as well. Um, you know, essentially like industrialized farming has relied on, on monoculture and like single crop farming, um, using a lot of pesticides, um, depleting the, you know, uh, natural like conditions of the soil there, et cetera. So that is like a a very big issue that, you know, I, again, I'm not an ecologist. There are people who can speak to that topic more eloquently than I, but, um, you know, that's why there's such a rise in the movement around regenerative agriculture. Um, you know, because that is so important, it's so important that we're not growing crops and Mm -hmm. like at the same time, destroying the environment 
in the process, right? Like we want to create a regenerative process that we can like continue to grow more and biodiversity thrives in the process. Um, and so again, the sort of like industrialization issue um, has, you know, led to this. And, and now we're, we're in a process of like reevaluating yeah. how honestly the entire economy works in a lot of these different industries and sectors. And like, how do we kind of backpedal? I also think it's important to point out that like logistically, let's say you're at a restaurant, right. And you leave food behind that restaurant, depending on where it is, but the majority of restaurants, it is illegal for them to give away extra food whether it has been touched or not. Like once it hits the table, that's it. So take the to-go bag, y'all take it. Next one. My grandma lived until she was 101. That wouldn't have happened if climate change was real. (laughs) Does that have anything to do with anything? I I just think it's funny. And so I don't know what it has to do with. What even... I literally cannot follow this train of logic whatsoever. Like, because it, is it because if climate change were real, I don't know. It would have killed grandma. Yes. Like, wait, can you say it again? I like was so confused by it that I just. My grandma lived until she was 101. That wouldn't have happened if climate change was real. But when did the grandma die? When she was 101. But what year was that? But you know what? This is Reddit at its finest. <laughs> Just saying random BS that like nobody understands and then podcasts talk about it. <laughs> That's what happens with Reddits. So it has nothing to do. Global or the climate crisis has nothing to do with people living longer. I assume that that's kind of the point of what they're saying. But it does. It does have like, look, I'm so glad that your grandma lived to be 101. I mean, that's a long time. Like, and that is impressive for sure. So congratulations to you, Reddit human. I think ultimately it does affect your longevity. If you're living now, like, I don't know that I'm gonna, like, I consider it reconsider. I don't, like, having children is scary to me because I'm like, well, what about their futures? You know, like I, and I think a lot of people are having that discussion. So I'm like, it's cool if you, um, you know, it's cool if your grandma, you know, had a great life and I'm glad, but I, I don't know that if she was your, a young person living now, she would have the same trajectory. I don't know. Mm. We're just pontificating. I mean, honestly, 101 is like a long time to live. If you know what I'm saying? It's long. All right. We'll move on from there. Cause Emily, Emily wants to, <laughs> this is what Emily, this is what talking to real people is like versus people that know everything about the specific thing. And you just happen to like know a lot of things about a lot of things, but most people like me know about like a quarter of everything. And then everything's left like now what? Okay. This one's fun. There are more people being born. So social body heat is rising. That's why it's getting hotter. Because <laughs> I wish I would have told you guys this was taped video. It's not, but it should be because these looks last for years. I feel like singing, it's getting hot in here. For real. You know? Yeah, the people like being that's... born. Yeah. And then it's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here. Well, you don't have any friends like this. You don't have any friends like this, oh, do you? Oh, boy. All right. Um... <laughs> No, not a one. Not a one. It, you know, it's it's fascinating to me. It's like, you know, okay, yes, the population is rising, um, but also like, it's a very big planet, right? Like, if we're talking about concentrated amounts of humans, like that's obviously happening in like specific urban environments, but. <laughs> This person says it like every day, all human beings are in a rave with each other, just like creating friction and heat. And it's just like, maybe that person lives in that universe, you know, in which case, good for them, live your best life. Um, But 
you know, just scientifically the amount <laughs> of quote unquote, you know, body heat that would be generated from the population to that, like, that would be necessary to see like the extreme conditions that we're like, that's just, oof, that's a leap. Yeah. You know, listen, if you don't understand something, you reach. Here we are. Yeah, this is a reach, all right. Okay, so I ask listeners to submit questions that they just feel really stupid about asking because they feel like they should know more about climate change and they just don't talk about it. So, first one. I take three showers a day. My roommate calls me an anti, meaning I'm anti the environment, but I just like being clean. Am I an anti? So the question is, like, does taking showers really affect things like a drought, I think is what we're getting at with this? The answer is yes. Okay. And like, if you, if you live in a drought prone area and you're taking three showers a day, I would say time to reevaluate um, maybe some of these choices and habits. What's also interesting though, is so like I live in New York, which isn't necessarily drought prone. However, because of the way that the city's water system works, and I learned this from someone who works in um, the Department of Environmental Protection, when it rains in New York City, like the, you know, water system and sewage like gets really, really full, right? So if you're adding more water to that, like if you're washing your clothes while it's raining, if you're showering while it's raining, uh. then you're causing that to overflow and spill out into, you know, the nearby creeks and, and, you know, East rivers and like, et cetera. Wow. Um, so like I had to, but it's, that's like not public information no. that people know, like, just like don't shower when it's raining. And now I'm like, so hyper vigilant about it. Um, but these are things, it, it just depends on where you are regionally and like what, um, you know, what's relevant to like the infrastructure where you are. But like, I just kind of want to know why you take three showers a day. Like that's she just. Says, she says she likes being clean. Like, I don't know. But that's. I get that. Yeah. But it's like, I look, and I think there, if there's some medical reason why you need to shower three times a day, then we need to do the work to mitigate that. Yeah. So I would say <laughs> get a, like a clothesline. We have a clothesline that we use and it's very cheap. It's very, most people can afford a clothesline. You put, you know, don't put the dryer on, like, you Make know, that's it. good. You're saving energy. Um, you know, also rewear stuff. Like we're still in a pandemic. A lot of us are like working from home. If I see you in the same sweatshirt tomorrow, Emily, I'm going to be like, you go girl. And I hope you did not wash that. So I I'm not smelling you from here. So I think there's lots of things that we can take advantage of in this awful crappy situation of pandemic land. There we have it. So if you have to take three showers a day, just don't do other stuff. Or maybe they're five minute showers. Is that terrible? Not terrible. Or two minute. Two minute. We'll go with two. Okay. Six minutes total. Done. Yes. Okay. Why do they keep talking about Mars? Hasn't it always been really warm there? What's the difference between warm and really warm on Mars? <laughs> okay. I'll go ahead. And, uh, first of all, Allison's laughing and it's because how are we supposed to know what happens on Mars? I think is the general consensus of like, we don't know things about Mars. Here's what I know about Mars, nothing. But yes, I do know that it's a <laughs> hot, supposed to be. But if it gets hotter, then it's all like, if anything gets hotter, it's bad. That's just the general whatever. And if Mars is even getting hotter, that's really bad. Right? Also like Mars has its own atmosphere. Right. That's not the same as what the Earth's atmosphere is. Again, not, uh, I don't work for NASA, um, but trying to figure out, again, I'm just like, these things are fascinating. I'm, I'm literally just trying to follow the logic, like yeah, I know. connect the dots. It's really interesting to me. So does Mars ever come up in conversation at the UN <laughs> when talking about climate change? No? Not. Not yet. 
but every it's literally next week, Emily, every day. They're just gonna be like, look, we need to focus our efforts on Mars. <laughs> yeah. Why are we wasting our time here? There's no, there's nothing left for us here. Right. I, I would say that like someone's probably focusing too much on Mars, whoever you're talking to person, but also like maybe this person knows um, something that we don't. I have to also say that there is this obsession with, with outer space travel and like, it's such a privileged obsession. Like I understand it in a way for us to better understand what's going on here. And I'm not trying to say like earth is the center of the universe. Cause like, obviously we're not, there's a whole huge universe out there. We're like this, you know, and, and whatever you get what I'm saying. Um, but I, I just don't, I'm like, can we just focus on, supporting people here for a bit and then once we're out of the awfulness we can then be like yes elon musk show us things but right now i'm like don't show us things for sure because there's other things that we gotta nip in the bud before there's other priorities you know ryan gosling goes to mars next or whoever it's supposed to be exactly maybe that's where this question came from because it's so weird that people feel like they have to go to Mars right now. Yeah, it's Ryan Gosling's fault. <sighs> Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Knock it off. Okay, last one. I'm too scared to believe in the climate crisis, but I got the COVID vaccines. I, well, thank you for getting your vaccine. I, I thank understand you. This, I have to say. Yeah, I get where this person is coming from because I think probably when we hear like, oh, you don't believe in the climate crisis, then you also... You don't have your vaccines. You don't have this. You don't have all those other things. But this person is just simply trying to say that fear is keeping them away from believing that like the climate crisis is real. And I think that's a real thing that connects to what you were saying, Allison, about mental health. Exactly. I I think, you know, look, whoever you are, we support you. Like, it's really hard to be on this podcast, I have to say, because I also, my background's like television writing. And so I want to be this like, you know, but I'm also like a CEO. So I'm supposed to be like, you know, it's just, I'm feeling very complicated about this. Yeah. What I was going to say is after that tangent is I ultimately, I think your mental health is, it's not your fault is what I'm saying that you don't believe in the climate crisis. It really isn't your fault. There's a huge problem right now with climate communications, like, it is the communicator's now job to make sure that people start to understand what we're dealing with, right? And they're not doing a great job. So it is not your fault, but you can find a support group. You can find mental health resources. There are other people you can talk to. You can uh, email me or one of us, maybe not Emily. <laughs> Don't email Emily. You're not going to get good enough emotional support can, there for this one. You can DM <laughs> Earth Angel and someone will talk to you. Someone um, but, that's not but yeah, I, will talk to you. It's not you. It's not you yeah. is, the, is the point I'm trying to make. And that, you know, we appreciate you getting vaccine because the pandemic is related to the climate crisis. Yeah. And I think that the also having fear of something means that you're probably not talking about it at all, right? So have a conversation with a trusted person and just be like, dude, what's this climate crisis thing about? And you just have to kind of put yourself at the place of where it's okay to admit that you don't know a lot of stuff about it because you're afraid of it. That's like literally everything in my whole life. I'm afraid of things, so I don't talk about them. Um, guys, that's going to be it. But thank you so much. It was so fun. And I actually learned a lot. But also, it's nice to know that people are thinking about things, even though they're not actually active in like participating in this conversation. There are thoughts there. So people aren't just fully ignoring it. They just don't know what to do. So I want to leave just on from each of you one piece of advice, a self like a starter kit piece of advice for someone that doesn't know anything about the climate crisis, doesn't follow any climate crisis how-tos or what to-dos, what's like the first two steps? Emily. Well, I would say that, you know, if that isn't coming into your feeds, like there are really great sources that you can have come into your feeds on this topic, like um, CNN Climate is one, Atmos is one, Grist is one, like Mm. the the specific, you know, journalistic outlets that are covering this topic. Um, I think that's really important because as Allison said, like 
that it's a, it's a big communications problem that's happening right now. So the more you can do to just like educate yourself on these topics, um, you know, that, that goes a long way. Um, and then I'd also just say like, what can you do to get involved locally in, you know, wherever you are, whether that's like attending a city council meeting on, you know, hopefully not making sure there's like no pipelines coming through your, your backyard. Right. Or like linking up with organizations like the sunrise movement, um, you know, to attend a demonstration or, or volunteer your time. Like that's where I think there's so much hope and optimism is like with people coming together to, you know, really combat this in a, in a unified way. Right. Cause I think part of what got us here is that we have been so disconnected from one another. We're, we've been so disconnected from nature. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like at the core, it's about forging more connection, you know, and I think that's going to lead to stronger solutions. Allison. Yeah. I mean, I echo in just like starting to learn a little bit, like some folks, I think you should follow our NDN collective, you know, because indigenous allyship and supporting indigenous people with land stewardship and land back. Um, these are things that also connect and build to the climate movement because it is an intersectional movement. Um, intersectional environmentalists also a great Instagram yeah. account, Twitter, all those things, future earth. They really do a lot of focused content, um, extinction rebellion, another place where you can get training. Um, I'd also say that just literally look up like the top a hundred companies that are causing fossil fuels, like just know who they are because you're probably they're in the S and P 500. Yeah. You're probably buying things online from them, you know? So that's just, it's just good to know it. And then I mentioned a lot of like personal action items you can do. Yeah. So definitely engage in those if you can. And also let's not forget the yeah impact and earth angel sets Instagram, because people are learning off of those too. Let's, let's be real. So I'm going to link you to everything that has anything to do with these two beautiful humans. Thank you guys so much for coming. So fun. Did you have fun? Was it stressful? Are you nervous about the future? <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous about these Reddit humans, but I'm optimistic about the future. Got it. 